Today's message has been brought to you by Faith Family Church in Billings, Montana. For more information, visit faithfamilybillings.com. Hello and uh, welcome to this important election message from Faith Family Church. My name is Sean McFarland and next to me is Neil Barnt. What you are watching is part one of a six-part series that we're going to be doing called Behind the Curtain, Exposing the Spirit of Antichrist. Neil, would you open in prayer for us? Sure. Father God, I just thank you that we have the opportunity to hear from you, that you would give us your truth through your voice, God. And I thank you that things that are as important to us as this election and this country, God, that you are for us. God, that I thank you that anyone that hears this message will be able to take your words and apply it to their lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. The Lord placed this message uh, on my heart shortly after the COVID-19 pandemic started. And now, of course, the added civil unrest across parts of the nation. This series is designed to stir the heart of all believers to a place of active faith in their involvement in government, both locally and nationally. We will do this by presenting truths from the scriptures concerning the influences of the spirit of Antichrist and how they have an effect through the natural government structures in the earth. Our experience over the last several months have left many confused and full of fear. More than anything, many have realized that no matter what the problem is that we are facing, it is vital that we have the right people governing us. I believe that America has the best governing system on the planet. As Americans, God has blessed us with the ability to vote in our in or out our leaders as we desire or as he desires for us to. As Christians in this country, I believe we have a responsibility to vote in, in those who will stand for righteousness and vote out those who won't. In this series, we hope to convince you of this and pray you act this coming November. The first thing I want to do is, Neil, I'm going to have you read a scripture here out of Proverbs chapter 29, verse 2, and we're going to talk about... Um, what it means when the righteous rule first. Could you read that for me, please? Sure. In Proverbs 29, 2, it says, When the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice. But when the wicked man rules, the people groan. And that's from the New King James Version. Go ahead and read that uh, New Living Translation. if you Sure. Would, in the New Living Translation, it says, When the godly are in authority, the people rejoice. But when the wicked are in power, they groan. So we see here that there are two different results that come depending on who is ruling the people. This word wicked actually means morally wrong, a bad person or ungodly, a guilty one or one guilty of a crime. The word righteous means a just or lawful person, correct in conduct and character. Because of the structures of authority that we have as far as governments ruling in the earth for this season, for this dispensation that we're in, it is vital that we have righteous in authority. When the righteous are in authority, the people will rejoice. So in looking at this verse, we clearly see the results of leadership motivated by righteousness and wickedness. This is the key to good government. Most citizens believe that the U.S. Constitution governs America, but it does not. When the founding fathers were creating it at the Constitutional Convention, Delegate John Francis Mercer affirmed, 
It is a great mistake to suppose that the paper we are to propose will govern the United States. It is the men whom it will bring into the government and interest they have in maintaining it that are to govern them. The paper will only mark out the mode and the form. Men are the substance and must do the business. The Constitution gives citizens the power to elect leaders, but if the wrong types of leaders are elected, the Constitution will be absolutely worthless in their hands. Consider Israel as an example. Was there any nation in history of in the history of the world with better civil laws? Certainly not. For God himself had written their laws, yet how good were those lo- those God-given laws under rulers such as Ahab, Jezebel, Manasseh, Jeroboam, Rehoboam, or other wicked leaders? Despite the fact that their laws came directly from God, they were completely disregarded by corrupt and deficient leaders. Our fond, our founders fully understood this biblical truth, which is why William Patterson, a signer of the Constitution placed on the U.S. Supreme Court by President George Washington, reminded citizens, when the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice. That's a direct quote from the Founders Bible uh, by David Barton. And so what we're doing here in this series is, is we want to convince specifically the church to rise up and be involved in the government structure that we have as Americans. Cause you and I both know Neil that God gave us this country. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's interesting when the Israelites demanded God, give them a King. God was like, well, you probably don't actually want that. Yeah. And then the founders of this country said, we don't really want the King anymore. We want to be able to listen to God and listen to what the people of this country want to govern. And it it certainly is a huge dynamic that is different from how the children of Israel asked to be governed versus how the founders of this country asked to be governed. Yeah, that's so true. I know uh, this is something I have written here that something the Lord had said to me uh, right after the whole COVID-19 supposed pandemic took place. And um, just as a, as a, as a, uh, just a side note here, you know, uh, I'm a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Um, uh, we're not medical doctors. We're not, uh, any of that. What we are is, are those who are believers in Jesus Christ, who have a desire to see his ways and his righteousness function in the earth. And so one of the things that the Lord had said to me was this, most believers love what they have experienced nationally, but here locally, at times, depending on where you're watching from, but here in Montana, many hate what they have experienced with the shutdown and the slowing of the economy, restrictions on social, religious, and sporting gatherings. I know recently there's this huge issue uh, with school starting uh, with uh, the uh, county health officials stating that nobody can be in the stands for the games uh, during their kids' sporting events. And so there's a big push now uh, to, to deal with that. And this, this is what we want you to realize, and we're going to get into this a little bit more here. Um, but what I, what I, my goal here by the Spirit of God, I believe, is, is that you begin to realize and recognize the effect that who you vote in affects has such an effect on how you live your life. And God has called us to freedom and liberty. And as Christians, uh, I believe the Lord is clearly calling through many ministries, but ours as far as 
our portion here in Montana, we're, we're echoing that same thing the Spirit of God is saying, which is righteousness needs to be voted into office. Righteousness needs to rule. And so what the Lord had said to me was, um, if you don't like what you're experiencing in how this uh, COVID-19, this year, the government is handling things, then as a nation, as people free in this nation with the ability to vote, we need to change that. So one of the things he said to me is, uh, Donald Trump has done his part in draining the swamp, but we here locally must do our part to remove the small foxes. Through this year, many have realized the importance of electing the right people to local government. Do you want to read for us there? Um, it's Song of Solomon. It's 2.15, if you would, Neil. Sure. So that says, Catch us the foxes, the little foxes that spoil the vines, for our vines have tender grapes. So we see here something very interesting. We see that little foxes, and so can spoil, and the word spoil means to destroy, to pervert. It means to be ruined, to corrupt. It has this idea of uh, basically affecting the fruit on the vine. So in America, think of it in terms like this. This is what the Lord had dealt with me about. You can have, you can, as Christians, we can vote in righteousness up at the top, but there's this the way that our constitution and then our government is set up, there's an effect that comes down through the ranks into the local into the local uh, government where we live. So even if President Trump stands for life, we can have a governor here that stands for death. Even if President Trump, you know, uh, and what he does uh, stands for righteousness or the Republican Party, whatever you want to say, um, stands for righteousness and they do the right thing. If we don't have elected officials here that are in alignment with righteousness, then we will experience frustration as believers where we're at. Mm -hmm. It can happen so quickly and we not realize it. So I, I, this is part of the stirring that we want to take place in you. Um, as far as getting yourself prepared for November coming up. So I want to, I want to, uh, uh, deal specifically now with the spirit of antichrist. And I just want to, uh, if you want to, I'm going to have you read Neil, if you would, in Genesis three, one, and you can go all the way down through verse 11. So sure. what I want you to see here as you're listening to this scripture, and as you're hearing what the Lord is saying from his word is recognize where the spirit of antichrist started. God did not create the earth initially with a rulership of the spirit of Antichrist. And we'll see this here. We know from Genesis that he put Adam and Eve in charge, specifically Adam, to govern and to subdue the garden. And that we have an enemy and his name is Satan. And he is the author of the spirit of Antichrist. He is the spirit of Antichrist ultimately. So could you read that for me? Sure. So in Genesis 3.1, it says, Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said, You shall not eat of every tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. The serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die. For God knows that in the day that you eat, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, 
knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and the trees desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave it to her husband with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked. They sewed fig leaves together, and they made themselves coverings. And they heard that the sound of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees in the garden. And then the Lord God said to Adam, Where are you? Uh, so he said, I heard your voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid myself. And he said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree which I commanded you not to eat? Yeah, that's so good. So what we see here is the entrance of the spirit of Antichrist. So as a believer, this is something that you need to understand. This is where the enemy got into the system. You know, many times people question God. They say, well, you, you Christians say God is good. And there are even believers that believe <laughs> that God is not good. Yeah. Uh, we're not saying he's not a judge. We're not saying he doesn't assess things. We're not saying that he doesn't uh, uh, deal with people on an individual level. What we're saying is very simply this, is that God didn't screw it up. We did. Mm -hmm. uh, Adam did. You know, people sometimes say, well, that's not fair. Well, all the federal authority for all of humanity rested in Adam from the beginning. He had that authority. And so we were in him because we came all from one blood, as the scripture talks about. And so that authority came in. And sure, it may not be fair, but something that the Lord said to me years ago was, it's not fair how you were saved either. And that's the absolute truth. And that's what we need to realize. Sure, we could talk fair all day long, but in all reality, whether it was you, me, or it was Adam at the beginning, we all probably would have screwed it up. So that's why we need a savior. But what we see here is we see that the spirit of Antichrist enters in. And we see this same uh, spirit of Antichrist actually mentioned in 1 John. If you want to read 1 John 2.18, uh, and then 1 John 2.22, I'll read 4.3, and then 2 John 7, if you want to go ahead and read okay. those. So in 1 John 2.18, it says, Little children, it is the last hour, and you have heard that the Antichrist is coming. Even now, many Antichrists have come, by which we know that it is the last hour. And then in verse 22, it goes on to say, Who is a liar but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ? He is Antichrist who denies the Father and the Son. Yeah, yeah. And, and you see the spirit of Antichrist here. 1 John 4, 3. And every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of Antichrist, which you have heard was coming and now is already in the world. You know, a lot of times, you know, people say, well, you know, uh, you Christians are conspiracy theorists. There's this conspiracy. And what we're going to show here in just a second in Acts 6 is that it's not a conspiracy. There's actually a spirit of Antichrist moving. Now, I don't know who the Antichrist is, but I know this, that even now, as John said, there are many Antichrists who have come into the world mm -hmm. and they're operating. And what we're going to see in Acts 6 is that they operate through government systems. Yeah, They operate through all government systems. Friends, whether you realize it or not, the spirit of Antichrist is functioning. Now, I'm talking specifically to Christians here. If you're a believer, 
It would, I, I, you know, I don't know if I can emphasize this strong enough. You better know your scripture and you better know your God and you better know the Holy Spirit. And people say, well, well, I don't. Well, then you need to start digging and spending extra time knowing him because we know this, that in the last days, it'll get darker. Now, that doesn't mean we can't have light as believers. That doesn't mean we can't affect our world. We are called salt and light. And so as long as the church is around, we are going to frustrate the spirit of Antichrist. And that is our call because we've been given authority to, to do that. And so we need to be aware of that. In 2 John 7, it says, for many deceivers have gone out into the world. I wonder if there's any today. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting, you know, people say, well, yeah, but the, the, the one group says that the church is deceiving and the other group is saying that the, um, that, uh, that the, the, the world or, you know, name the group, but really the spirit of Antichrist, those who don't believe in Jesus are deceiving. They're the ones that are calling it. Well, my suggestion is this. Look at the byproduct of what's coming out of both sides. And people say, well, believers do things they shouldn't wholeheartedly agree with that. That's why we know we need a savior. <laughs> but for the most part, there are many more believers living righteously and doing what they're supposed to than there are not. And so we need to realize that. And I, I pray that eyes are open to this. And that's the goal here in all of this. But there's many deceivers in the world who do not confess Jesus Christ is coming in the flesh. This is a deceiver and a what? anti Christ. Now, an antichrist or antichrist is a spirit that is against the spirit of Christ. It's anti-Messiah. It's anti-Savior. It's anti-good light. Um, and there are all sorts of things we could get into that we're not going to. But I want to go to Acts chapter 6. And actually, I'm going to read these here because I want to go through these points. I know we're coming up on uh, getting close here to our half hour time uh, frame on these sessions. But Acts chapter 6, I want you to see as, as I read this, if you can see, and I'm going to point it out, but look and read this and see if you can see the spirit of Antichrist operating. And listen to me now, specifically through leadership, specifically through governing authorities. You know, people say, you know, the end times people sometimes, you know, people get upset about, you know, uh, uh, ministers trying to peg, you know, this is this group, this is that group, this is, you know, uh, uh, this is the, the, this is this beast, or this is this particular, you know, all these things that happen in end times, and they get upset about it. But in all reality, we need to understand there are only two forces operating in this earth. Mm -hmm. One is the spirit of Christ, and one is the spirit of Antichrist. And people in their individual will are deciding which they're going to yield to. And so as we read these scriptures, I'm believing light from the word is going to come into you by the Holy Spirit and that you're going to understand, you're going to be able to actually perceive when you're going to vote, when you're going to make decisions concerning your life and who you want governing over you based on the spirit of light, based on the spirit of Christ, not the spirit of Antichrist. You're going to be able to, because you know the scriptures, and you know the Holy Spirit, you're going to be able to discern who's following the Lord and who's not um, and, and vote accordingly, vote for righteousness. And so Acts chapter 6, verse 8 this says this, and Stephen, full of faith, and which is really the word grace there, but full of faith and power, did great wonders and signs 
among the people. Verse 9 says this, Then there arose some from the from what is called the synagogue of the freedmen. They were uh, Cyrenians, Alexandrians, and those from Cilicia and Asia disputing with Stephen. And they were not able to res resist or withstand or oppose the wisdom and the what? The spirit by which he spoke. So here's a spirit by which Stephen is speaking. And there's another group here that comes in and they must be speaking by another spirit because they're not agreeing with Stephen. And so we see what takes place here. They weren't able to resist this wisdom. Now there's a thought here that I want to bring out. As a believer, you have the Holy Spirit in you. You should be able to share truth that almost just gags the spirit of Antichrist. They don't know what to do. And I believe, honestly, I believe we're seeing it to a large degree right now in our nation. I think we'll see this here. Verse 11 says this. Then they secretly induced men to say, we have heard him say blasphemous words against Moses and God. Does this sound familiar <laughs> at all? You Here we have, see, people say, oh, it's a conspiracy theory. Is it? Or is it the spirit of Antichrist? You know, people say, you know as well as I do, and we're going to get into this when we get into the stats on some of the coronavirus, the COVID stuff. Um, but you and I both know that uh, people in authority can use that authority for things they shouldn't, depending on how they're motivated. Mm -hmm. You know, I heard somebody say, and I've said this, that numbers don't lie. And then I heard somebody say, but liars can number. And it's the, it's the spirit with which it is the, 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 the information is shared. You know, people have said, we need to listen to the experts. Actually, you need to know what spirit is motivating the expert. And this is what I want you to see as believers. You need to be able to discern. We need to be able to discern who's, what they're speaking from. I mean, it's a must. It's an absolute must. So we see here, what did these leaders do in the synagogue? They stirred people up against Stephen. Verse 12 says, and they stirred up the people, the elders, and the scribes. What is that in Jewish, in this Jewish culture? What is that? That's governments. That's authorities right mm -hmm. there. And what did they start with? They started by what? Stirring up the people. With what? Yeah, whispering lies. Lies. How many things, church, have you been stirred up about that are lies? Because you didn't take the time to go back and look. You didn't take the time to go back and study. You didn't take the time to take it back to the Lord by his word and by the Holy Spirit to show you what spirit was motivating the person. We see this. They stirred them up through lies. I, I, this word stirred up here means to move together or to excite the mass. <laughs> I wonder if the mass has been excited. Have you really looked in those people that are totally on board with uh, Black Lives Matter or Antifa or these things? People say, you can't speak to those things. You're wrong. We can speak to them from the foundation of the word of God. Are they following the spirit of Christ? I'm talking to believers right now. You as a believer, are they following the spirit of Christ? Are they following the Holy Spirit? Is the same spirit that's in you as a believer is it operating in people that are burning down cities? And nobody, I mean, I don't, you know, I've been around uh, people for years and I have found good and bad people in all groups. Their skin color didn't determine it. Mm -hmm. You know, their background didn't even really determine it. It's what they chose to yield to. Yeah. 
And so we see here that they stirred up. And then what did they do? They seized Stephen and they brought him to the council. The word council is any assembly, especially of magistrates, judges, or ambassadors, whether convened to deliberate or to pass judgment. That's what it is. So what do we see? We see a group of people that stirred up and shared lies. Uh, they started by, by uh, I need to rephrase that. We, we see in verse 11 that there's a group of people that um, secretly induced men to tell lies about Stephen. Okay, I wonder what spirit that was. And then we see that same group go on to stir up the people. That sound like news media to you? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, come on, guys. If you're, if you're all stirred up, turn the news off. You know, I mean, uh, they're sharing, you know, talk about fake news. You know, there's a lot of fake news going on. But the news is the gospel, and it ain't fake, and it ain't a lie. And so, and then what did they do? Then they stirred up elders, which is leaders, right? Yeah. And they're all participating in what? The fake dossier. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, they're all participating in something that doesn't have actual evidence, but they're trying to make it appear as such, right? And then they stirred up the scribes, and then they did what? They brought them to the council. They brought them to the judgment seat based on what? A whole bunch of lies. All right, let's go on to verse 13. It says they also set up what? False witnesses. I wonder if that's ever happened. People say, well, we have, if if our government structure is so great, then why do we have all these problems? Guys, the problem (laughs) This is so funny to me, Neil. But the problem is not the system. It's not the structure. It's the hearts of the people inside or positioned in authority. If you don't like corrupt politicians, vote them out. If you don't like corrupt judges, vote in politicians that will put in non-corrupt. If you don't like the experience you've had in Montana based on the governor that we have or the legislators, whatever the representatives are, if you don't like the way the laws are, we have been given by God the ability to vote. And we're not going to get into it on this one, but we're going to get into the importance of voting. You know, there's a lot of Christian uh, people that think, well, no, it's just God's in control of everything and we don't have to do anything. And I totally disagree with that. And I hope you turn in for the for the third one. I believe it's the third message that we're going to do because we talk about the importance of voting and that it is, I, I believe, and I've heard this said, but I, I've heard it, the Lord's really dealt with me about that our vote is really a seed of righteousness. It's a seed or an act of faith. Even if our way doesn't happen, it's still an act of faith for a believer. Mm-hmm. And if you're a believer, I don't want to get to heaven and go and have the Lord pull my voting record and go, what did you vote for here? And people say, would the Lord do that? I think he would. <laughs> you know, I don't know that I have a scripture on that. Maybe that's wood, hay, and stubble. You know, that, that if, I, if I didn't do something that I was supposed to, that'll be burned up. I'm not saying it determines my salvation, but it definitely is something important. Let's go on to verse um or finish verse 13, says they also set up false witnesses who said, the man does not cease to speak blasphemous words against this holy place and the law. You know, there are people that will just lie. They're just liars. And they may not even realize they're convinced of something wrong, but they are. But Christians should never participate in lies ever on any level. Verse 14 says, for we have heard him say that Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place and change the customs which Moses which Moses delivered to us. You know, sometimes you need your customs changed. You know, people say, "Well, I voted this way my whole life. My parents did." Well, maybe you need your customs changed. Have you checked how you're voting against 
the scriptures and against the spirit of Christ. Verse 15 goes on to say, and all who sat in the council looking steadfastly at him saw his face as of or of an angel, as the face of an angel. In other words, the Lord put his confirmation on on Stephen that, hey, he did the right thing. And he was doing the right thing. Well, and it's interesting that he didn't actually even have to speak when he was on trial. <laughs> yeah. All of the people were saying all these false things about him. And then right. the glory of God just shows up and yeah. he doesn't even have to say a word. Right. And you can see the evidence is righteousness rather than the false attacks right. coming against him. And, you know, and I didn't include this and we're going to go into the COVID stats here um, and talk about some of that as well right now, if you want to prep for that. I didn't add this into this particular teaching that, you know, it goes on to share, and, and many of you believers know this because you've read your Bible, but it goes on to share how Stephen was actually martyred for his faith. You know, and sometimes I, I, I think, well, in fact, I know this. There's such fear in the believers today that if the founding fathers would have functioned the way many Christians do today, we wouldn't even have America. And I just encourage you, pray about that statement. Uh, don't just shrug it off and go, well, this guy's just irritating me. I know whenever you you know, talk about politics, marriage, or money, you're bound to stir up the church into anger. But here's the thing. it's I believe it should be a righteous indignation. Uh, you know, I'm not opposed to, to making you upset if you'll actually go back and pray and study. You know, I can say this with confidence, Neil. Some of the most significant change in my life came when I heard things that I absolutely didn't want to hear about myself. And then I had to go back and deal with myself. And so I encourage you to do that as well. Um, because, uh, you know, sometimes people say, well, the world's gone along fine without my vote. Or Christians will say this. The world's gone along great without my vote all these years. Yeah, but we're getting down to the wire here. So we want to continue to live in a free nation where we can spread the gospel without hindrance. Part of our... Uh, duty as believers is to pray for those in a leadership, of course. No matter who's there, we should pray for them. But we shouldn't fear death in standing for righteousness. Mm -hmm. I, I really do believe that as time continues to go on here, we're going to see believers that see or, or function in a level of faith and really, I believe, one of the highest levels of faith in martyrdom. Yeah. For what they believe. Oh, and we know what's going on right now all the way through the world um, in, in different places. But I believe we're getting to that place in America, you know, where we're we're getting there. And I can see that our time's about coming to a close here. But let's look at some of these stats. Sure. So just looking back from when the coronavirus first started appearing on the news and being mentioned was clear back in January at the beginning of this year. And the initial reports from the CDC and their estimation was that the death rate was going to be way up there at three and a half percent, which they were saying that everybody is going to get it and hide your kids, hide your wife, and it's going to be bad news. Well, as the real information started pouring in, and even that is hard to find in America sometimes, the, the death rate actually began to creep further and further down to the point where now it's really at a rate that is much lower than that initial estimate. Another thing that was touted on the news was a model. And all you heard about was model, model, model. Everyone's going to die. In fact, there's going to be two and a half million people in America die and it's going to be bad. Well, 
Unfortunately, that model was wrong 70% of the time when it got to actually come to the time where it was yeah. compared against reality. And so in a statistical model, once you get past 5% wrong, your model is no longer valid. Wow. It's no longer real. Yeah. And so this was so wrong that it was almost the opposite of truth. In fact, the only thing that was right in this model was that it informed policymakers that they should shut down the government. And even to that point, depending on what country you're from, they either accepted that or didn't. And right. so um, from there, you know, you can start looking into more local information. And in Montana, you know, we've got... Um, you know, a number of people that live here that it's getting to be about a little over a million. And so when when you start saying, well, a million people, I don't I don't know how many people does that actually affect with the coronavirus? And, you know, you hear things like the governor saying, well, if there's four cases in any county, that's bad news. Right. Well, the truth of the matter is, is that the number of cases hasn't equated to instant death. In fact, almost right. 98% of all of the people that have ever had it have recovered. Right. You know, and so from there, it gets to be, well, you know, I hear people say, well, you know, you have to do the lockdowns, you have to do this. And, and real, reality has been that every time they've done a lockdown, it's followed by people coming out of the lockdown. Right. And it really became one of these things. They said, let's flatten the curve so that more people won't be in the hospital at the same time. And then they said, well, that's not actually what we want to do anymore. We have to wait until there's this vaccine and then we'll be safe. You know, the interesting thing is when you move a goal, then it becomes a reassessment of the entire process. Right. When you say, well, we can't have more than four people in the county have the coronavirus to be safe. The reality is maybe there's another way that we can find an, another solution that isn't based off of an arbitrary number, right. but it's based off of a real decision. And that that really goes into other states like South Dakota, right. which hasn't implemented any of the lockdowns, which hasn't had mass layoffs, which hasn't had some of these things that we're experiencing in Montana. And you know their population is similar, not exact, right. but the end result if you go through from, you know, these recorded numbers, it started out where the percent of deaths in South Dakota was super consistent at about 1%. And they've really remained pretty flat. And then in Montana, it was like, well, you couldn't get a test for a while. And so basically anybody that got tested was already on the bad end of the, of the news. Right. And now it's become the opposite of that, where there was a lot of testing. And even still, not as many people who have been tested positively have had the adverse death effect of the coronavirus. Right. So it's gotten to be the point where both in Montana and in South Dakota, it's just a little bit above 1% of the people that have registered as positive have right. actually passed away from it. Right. The, the national average is a little bit higher than that, but there's also been some decisions that have led to that. Right. And that's some interesting information because you know a lot of people have been like well everybody's affected the same way and the truth is that from the cdc specifically the death rate in people that are less than 55 percent mm -hmm. is how much do you think i don't know <laughs> so it's it's actually interesting because depending on who you ask in a survey they would say it's 
50% of the people that have had it had died. And the reality is that if you're less than 55, you have just out of the total deaths in America, only 7% have been less than 55 years old. Wow. And so, and that is straight from the CDC's website. So the, the number is a little bit behind as far as today's death counter because they're compiling numbers and sometimes right. it takes them about eight weeks to catch up. Right. But even still, there's no way that the last eight weeks have been all people that are less than 55. You would have heard nothing but that on the news if right. that was the case. Yeah. And so the, the even more interesting, when you get into these actual statistics about the year of death, the people that are 75 and greater that have died from it is 26% of, of the total deaths in America. And so those people are statistically on the way out anyway, because the average age of death in America is 78 years old. Right. And so some people die before that. Some people die after that. But if you're in that group, it, it's almost discounted to be, is it really the coronavirus or is it something else that's wrong with those individuals that this was the last step that they couldn't overcome anymore. Right. And another interesting bit of information is the amount of deaths that have occurred in the nursing and assisted living right. facilities, because that's actually accounted for 45% of the total deaths. Right. And so again, those people are not in a nursing home because they didn't have another retirement plan. It's right. because there's something wrong with their bodies right. that they need that assistance. And so there was, policies that were made that weren't correct. And there was other things that caused those type of deaths. And so when you add all of that together, the, the coronavirus is a bad thing. Yes, but it's nowhere near. Even if you take the coronavirus out of the equation, there have been more people that have died from pneumonia, from right. other things that are respiratory related diseases right. than the coronavirus in America. Right. And so we've shut down this country in a lot of cases, they're still shutting down this country for something that is bad, right. that isn't 100% understood. Right. But at some point, you got to be able to say, let's give the information in a way that uh, the Americans can make a decision and move on. From right. right. Because if it was that we couldn't have anybody ever die, we wouldn't have cars because yeah. a lot of people die in cars. Yep. So the, the statement of we can't let one more person die doesn't match up with reality of what we've allowed to happen in this country. Well, and it's a, any government, I don't care what leadership it is, anybody that makes that statement, it's, it's pretty arrogant. Mm -hmm. Now, granted, yes, we shouldn't be haphazard. We shouldn't be just, oh, whatever will be, will be. But what we're specifically talking about here is what is motivating the leadership that we currently have in the decisions that they're making. Most people that I talk to, and I haven't talked to the whole world, but they're not in for living in total fear. The idea even, you know, we have vaccines. You talked about the vaccine. We have a vaccine for the flu, and every year people die from the flu. Part of, and especially as a believer, if you're, as, as you're watching this, who told you you weren't going to die? I'm not saying that we should be foolish. I'm not saying that you should be foolish. If you feel that you need to take care of something specifically, if you need to wear a mask, 
if you need to quarantine, whatever the case may be, depending on your situation. What I am saying is, is we definitely don't want to follow the path of thinking like you're sharing with us that the government is our savior and that they are, that we want them to just totally, you know, take care of us and make every decision for us from the time we're born to the time we're, we, we, we pass on, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. So the statistics though, did you have more that you wanted to share? I was there? just going to talk about one more thing is that the coronavirus obviously isn't going away anytime soon. And so from here, where do we go? I mean, there's a lot of decisions that still need to be made with schools, with, you know, there's been talk on the news, oh, the second wave is coming. And, you know, do lockdowns even really save lives? I mean, whole countries like Sweden didn't do a lockdown. Right. And their curve is actually in a better spot than where America's curve is right. because the lockdowns did exactly what they said they would do, extend the amount of time that people would be suffering. Right. So it's less people initially, but a longer amount of suffering. Right. And so, and then even the question of do masks work? I mean, that argument is become a, a statement of, yeah. I love somebody because I'm wearing a mask. Well, if you don't know what you're doing with the mask, or if you, I mean, the piece of paper that we have on our table could effectively be the same thing as some of the masks that some of these folks sure. are wearing. And so if you don't know what you're doing, or if you haven't, you know, actually t done the other precautionary things like washing your hands or or doing the things that they've said that you know you really should have been doing a long time ago <laughs> yes exactly that uh <laughs> you know those those types of things are what some would consider common sense but it's it's interesting that the coronavirus has stirred up all of this emotion about you know do we have life in this country right and and those types of things are i think going con to continue through the rest of our sessions yeah i it will um you know i sometimes will see comments and stuff on different you know facebook posts or whatever the case may be well i'm sure we'll get comments on these posts and people will say well you don't care about you know people that are susceptible people that are have uh comorbidity issues they have issues where it could cause them to die the reality is is you cannot lock down all the healthy people because of some of the sick people quarantining you know un people that you know are maybe are more susceptible and could have a high risk is called health care quarantining healthy people is called tyranny yeah you know it, it's not the same thing and people say well you're insensitive actually you're oversensitive mm-hmm and, and we need to live in a balance here. Um, you know, when I go into a store right now, I have a mask, but I know it's not an N95 mask. I worked construction for years. I know what an N95 mask does. I worked uh, drywall and painting specifically. And so we understand those things. So the these type of things, the other side of it too is, and I going back to the Sweden thing or even the South Dakota thing, the virus is going to spread either way. Yeah. Now managing... And this is what I want to take you back to as we close here. Specifically, I know we've gone a little over, uh, but it's good information either way. Um, this is what I want to narrow it down to. How is the How are the people that are in charge managing and governing what's going on? Are they using their position of authority to 
extend the the uh, freedoms that we have and extend and stay within the boundaries of the Constitution, the Bill of Rights, all those things? Or are they using, is the spirit that's operating through them using those places of authority to control? Proverbs 29.8 says this. It says, scoffers set a city aflame. Huh, I wonder if we've seen any cities aflamed. But wise men turn away wrath. What do wise men do? They don't stir up a bunch of crazy behavior. They keep calm. They keep together. All of these things. Uh, in the Amplified, it says, scoffers set a city afire, inflaming the minds of the people. Is the leadership that we have creating peace and a culture and a, you, you know, even in terrible things like COVID-19, we can still have peace. Yeah. We don't have to have, even in terrible things like the, uh, you know, we talked about the civil unrest, but the whole George Floyd issue, we can have peace in that. We don't have to have cities aflame. And as believers specifically, we should be responding to situations, not reacting. We should not be out in the streets uh, tearing up the city. We should not be doing any of those things. That is not what the Lord showed us. And then we need to go back, take it all the way back, okay? Here's what it says in the message. It says, a gang of cynics can upset a whole city, but a group of sages can calm everyone down. Listen, church, we need to vote in the sages because we need calming to come. We need calming to come. We need to realize that per the population, I know some of the stats you were sharing were per the infection mm -hmm. rate, but per the population, if, you, if we ran the death numbers against the actual population of the world, or even the population of just Montana, it is so, I mean, it's well below, you know, 1%. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's well, it's not even close to 1%. It's, right. You have to get point, point, point <laughs> to, to get down to right. where it's actually at. And in, in that, that realm, you're talking about getting struck by lightning, you're talking about winning the lottery, right. you're talking about all those things that everybody- Aren't gonna happen, yeah, probably. Yeah. Everybody thinks it's gonna happen to somebody else, but not them type of a thing. Right. Right. Well, we're going to come back for session two next. Uh, I hope this blessed you. We're going to pray real quick. Father, we do. We thank you for this, these, these scriptures and this information that, that we've uh, put together by your leading. Lord, I pray that you're stirring the hearts of the people for this November, that they will vote for righteousness. We thank you for your goodness and your mercy, Lord. If there's anybody watching, Lord, that doesn't know you, I pray you'd minister to them right now by your spirit. Open their eyes and let them see truth. In Jesus' name. If you are watching and you don't know the Lord, please contact us uh, at Faith Family Church. We'll help you with that and get information in your hands. God bless you guys. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you for session two. Thank you for taking the time to listen today. If you would like more information about Faith Family Church, including service times and location, visit faithfamilybillings.com.